Just a heads up before we start, in this episode we talk about child abuse, so if that's something you don't feel like dealing with right now, go ahead and skip this episode. And we also talk about feminism, not being a racist, and other sort of liberal things. So if you are a Nazi and misogynist, you probably want to skip this episode too. Or this whole podcast. Why not? Toodaloo. The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. So how are you doing? How was your last week's? Uh, good. Just, uh, you know, just made, made some breakfast and had to finish chowing it down real quick. <laughs> But oh man, I'm all full of coffee, so I'm all ready to go. Top world jams, and talk about daughter and the song. I can't even pretend to have words to say that I'm talking real fast. <laughs> Brain's too slow. Come up with words. Yeah, there you go. The coffee did it this time. Yeah, if I'm reading it, I might be able to do it good, but nope, no improv skills. Yeah. Yes. And oh no, yeah, that's it. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. This is Brandon talking today about the song Daughter with my guest returning, Emily Dunster. How are you, Emily? I'm doing quite well. How are you? I am good. I mean, well, damn it. I've been doing it for so long saying it the right (laughs) way. Oh, I mess up. Trying to be colloquial and have improper grammar like all the kids do these days. Uh, Whatever. It's, uh, It's text culture, right? Yeah, I guess I'm not lit. OMG. Yeah, but let's talk about this bop. <laughs> it's, it's a good bop. Yeah, that's that's the that's what the kids are calling songs these days, bops. <laughs> Wasn't there a uh, what were those little um those little they had like microchip things that were like music they had like little tiny music players and then they had like little oh. chips or something that went in them that held like maybe a song or maybe it was just 30 seconds of a song or something like I that. I think they were not even the full song. I think it was like 20 or 30 seconds of a song. Yeah. They kind of were like when I was already a little older. So it was more like for the kids that I was like babysitting. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember them. I'm thinking, interesting. Was it, were they something clips? Yes, hit clips. Hit clips? Oh, yes. Okay, that makes sense. But they were like clips because there were clips of the songs, I guess, and then clips because you could also like clip them onto your pants or something like that, too. Yes, under your Jansport backpack. Yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> Not to be confused with Kids Bop. Which no, I guess, totally different. Are yeah. they still releasing those? Oh, yeah. I think the, the, those and uh, and now that's what I call music are neck and neck, just each coming out in alternating months. Interesting. Yes, but enough about that. Let's talk about some real music. Let's really get in there. This song, oh man. They uh, first played this live 
at uh, Bridge School in 92. Uh, Stone came up with the music and Ed wrote lyrics for the most part. And originally they called it Brother. We hear a song called Brother. producer at the time for this album brandon o'brien said that uh saying don't call me brother was kind of hippie saying hey brother what's going on and then when they changed it to daughter he was like oh now this is that totally changes the song and what it means saying it like that it would completely yeah but also i mean lyrically too as far as the storyline of the song it also changes it right a whole lot too See, uh, what, what's, uh, what do you understand the storyline of the song to be? The way I understood it, it's a child who has dyslexia or some other learning disability who's trying to read for her parents. And it's mm-hmm. um, She's not able to do it, at least to her, her mother's satisfaction, it sounds like. And she's being abused of it. That's, that's how I took it i guess yeah and then going from it's like the brother originally i guess in this in in that version of the song lyrically is sort of watching this going on and sort of takes her upstairs to close the door and sort of be like okay now this is what happens from here on out i'm kind of supposed to ignore and not really pay any mind to and sort of being a catalyst or, or, a, a oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oh, like an associate um... accomplice accomplice. Yes. To, uh, to what's going on. Yeah. And, and changing it then to the point of view of who this is happening to, I think was one of the probably first songs where Eddie took a female point of view in the lyrics. Yeah. Along with other, there's other sort of tense shifts and stuff like that too. There's other third person, you know, she holds the hand that holds her down. Sure. Yeah. The one thing I do remember is uh, that I think when he first started singing on, he was singing brother rather than daughter. And I think once he developed the lyric, he realized that it was about a female and not a, a male. And I remember thinking at one point, like right off the bat, like, oh, I don't know, maybe brother's better. I doubt I said that, but I just was, you know, the change, I was suddenly like, oh, no. But then immediately after sort of hearing it, the final vocal take and just um, hearing how good it sounded. I knew it was pretty special. I, I think for me, that sort of 
that sort of point of view that he took with it really amped up the level of empathy in the song where I think like all art is supposed to try to convey a sense of empathy and a a, a shifting of point of view because somebody is having an experience and then expressing that. And you then when you're taking in that art is filtering their point of view and their experience in through your own senses and sort of like, Oh, okay. This is somebody else's world that they're inviting me into. And I think that especially with a man taking a woman's point of view, isn't something that's done too often in popular culture and in, in widespread pop culture, uh, well, especially not done right. You know, you see all these things online of, you know, oh, here's a man writing a, a woman in a sex scene or some crap like that. And it's kind of like, oh, geez, everybody right. just rolls their eyes and dunks on the guy. <laughs> well, and I think too, like, it's, you know, you see so many other artists covering someone else's song, you know, and it's written for, mm-hmm. you know, the opposite gender. So they change the genders in the song. And it's like, come on, just... <laughs> you know, sing it like it's supposed to be sung. Why does it matter? Yeah. You know, and it's actually really powerful that he's like willing to sing it from the perspective of somebody who's young and female and someone who's being abused, you know? And I think I don't, I can't think of a, a ton of artists off the top of my head who would do that, who would sing, you know, who would write a song from the perspective of somebody who's completely different than that. I guess Fugazi did it. It's it's powerful that he did it in a time where, you know, I think there was a lot of music out there that was really trying to be masculine and whatnot. But I, I guess too, the, the, the grunge movement was a little bit of an antithesis to that, too. You know, Kurt Cobain certainly wasn't trying to be masculine <laughs> necessarily. But yeah, uh, Prince did it a lot, I think. But I think that's mainly because he wrote songs for... Right. other people but when he did he would you know sing female pronouns and stuff right. like that when he did it especially with the the his album that just came out of those original versions of those songs and stuff yeah that's a great example actually and i respect people who can do that and not feel embarrassed about it <laughs> like i feel like a lot of guys wouldn't do that yeah it's it's i don't know i th- i think that without this band and maybe if I'd grown up maybe like a little later or something like that was, was a a different generation or something like that. Like I could see myself maybe as being one of those like incel guys or something like that, being totally misogynistic and stuff like that, just because, you know, it's like, Oh, if I just focus on myself or whatever and be like, Oh, you know, women are just prizes and women are, you know, not their own people and everything like that. It's, it's, it's something that are around just to win or, or, or have, or something like that. I mean, in my sort of dumber sort of, of, of just being dumb and growing up and stuff like that and not being able to talk to girls or something like that, I I could have seen myself kind of going that way. And then part of culture, right. Is to value the, the opinions and the the feelings of men and yeah. sort of diminish or uh, think those of women aren't necessarily as important, you know? So it's not surprising that 
you know, any, you know, one growing up male in this society would think, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) 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 Why wouldn't you to be a a dude in America? Yeah, especially white. I mean, you get it all. It's a party. Yeah. But now, whoa, all these people that have had nothing are getting something. So that means, oh, I'm not getting everything. Boo. Right. Those guys. Let's let's trash on white dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a party to me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is also, I think, their first song that was a great song overall. Not just, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a rock song. Yeah, it's real good. It's like if you have a collection of like the best songs compositionally and performance wise, you know, of, of, you know, maybe history or at least, you know, like the past 50 years or something like that, taking into account, you know, pop and just in, in everything. It's like, this is a great song. Well, and I, I appreciate how important it clearly is to them to get it right when they're playing it live, mm-hmm. like to the extent that, you know, I've watched a variety of the, you know, YouTube videos and stuff that are up of them playing it live. And Jeff Ament every single time is like, you know, it's 1994 and everyone's moshing. And he's like, you know what? No, I'm playing this on an upright bass. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that is how it's supposed to be played. That is the way that it's supposed to sound. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to do that. Yeah. But, He's like, no, it is supposed to sound like an upright bass. And so that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing, even when people are like jumping from the stage. Like, I I appreciate that. Yeah. I bought this. I gotta use it. <laughs> right. We're trucking it with us on tour, but I might bust it out every three or four concerts for one song. Use it for one song, but it's coming with us, guys. Even on those really early scratchy videos, which I'm like, how did you even get this video? Like in 1994, you're like yeah. smuggle in a camcorder? Like, <laughs> it's like the size of a VCR. <laughs> right. But it's clearly, it's really important to them to get it to sound right, to do it. Yeah, too, it, it, it has one verse and like two pre-choruses and then the chorus what two or three times yeah th- yeah three times yeah and like that's it it's 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 one verse which is crazy <laughs> i don't know it's just not done really well and even the guitar solo is so simple but it's like perfect for what it needs to be like it's horribly complicated he's not up there wanking on the guitar for an hour it's just mm-hmm. simple and it's exactly what it needs to be yeah and it's totally something that he could you know it's like oh okay this is something that i can do the same time at every concert where I think, you know, a lot of stuff where it's kind of like, oh, he's just making it up on the spot. And there might be like one or two little phrases that you kind of like, oh, yeah, I'll put this in there so that we know that right. we're coming out of it. Or it's kind of like the centerpiece of the solo structure. 
And this is like, no, nope, it's like one thing, wrote it down. It's perfect. I'll just do it that way. All the, all the, all the shows. Well, and it's, it was impressive actually seeing all these and how similar actually the performances are. They do different things at the end, obviously, but you know, it's not like they're, you know, watching Bob Dylan live and you're like, what song is this that he's yeah. even doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's impressive to me just how solid they are. And clearly, I mean, they've been playing this song, you know, since what did you say? 1991 it was the first time I played it. So They've had plenty of time to practice it. Oh, they're playing in 92. I'm sorry. Do you want to say that again? We'll edit that together and <laughs> we'll cut that part out. Yeah. <laughs> so they first played it in 1992, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Excellent. Oh, but now I got to go and edit that. Oh, I don't know if I'll. Oh, well, <laughs> I got time. That's months before this comes out. Um. What else did I have? I was going to say, yeah, the songs that they put at the end, that's the sort of tradition where, you know, they're going to start playing daughter and it's like, okay, what are they going to do at the end? And chances are they're going to do another brick in the wall. Yeah. Because they do that a lot. I do. And I've seen a lot of uh, It's Okay, the uh, mm-hmm. Dead Moon song, which I think fits just really perfectly there, actually. Yeah. I think that was my fa- favorite one that they've chosen because it just fits so well. such a great song you know but obviously another brick of the wall is great too and uh it's probably also the only way you're going to hear wma live too or at least for a a, a certain stretch of time was the only way that they kind of put it in there Sands 
I remember when I uh, when I had the first and the second album, I made a uh, I had to make a tape so I could have both of them on the same thing. And I was like, ah, am I just gonna have you know ten, and then verses, or am I gonna? It's like, ah, you know, I want to mix up the songs because I've heard Jeremy enough, I've heard Dissident enough, <laughs> I could leave those off. And when I when I kind of put the songs together and stuff, I followed up Daughter with WMA. When I when I made it, it's like, oh, it's kind of just kind of the tempo is kind of the same, and it just kind of at least. To me, right. it kind of makes sense that they kind of go together and then, you know, finding out. It's like, oh, wow, they would kind of tag it with that. <laughs> I knew what I was, I knew what I was talking about. I was, I was my own Nostra, Nostra, Nostra dumbass. <laughs> Making it funny. I know what's Nostradamus. I'm just trying to be funny. Yeah. Speaking of when earlier to, to, to call back what you said when you're saying that, you know, there's people moshing and stuff like that. And Jeff's like, oh, no, we're going to, I'm going to bust out that uh, stand-up bass and you're all going to have to try to mosh to this. Yeah. Let's see how hardcore you can get. Is uh, This this was the song that was playing in 2000 at uh, Roskilde when the people surged the uh, the stage and, and those people died. Oh, right. So that's kind of, that's, right. oh, that's gotta be a weird, I don't know, like you're saying, it's, it's, you can't, you don't think of this song. Some weird energy playing that song after that, you know? Yeah. But it was, it was uh, a live that they, uh, that they stopped playing for a while after that, just because it doesn't right. kind of feels hollow to say I'm still alive yeah. when you got these people who died <laughs> while you're playing music and. Right. But it kind of, I think, goes to, speaks to the popularity and the power of the song that everybody's like, oh, this song, I got to get up there. I got to, you know, get close. Um, also, the uh, speaking of the tags, another callback there, kind of jumping over, all over the place uh, uh, time-wise. This is like a, 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 a Pulp Fiction going all over the place, not making straight connections. I like it. You know, it, it'll, you know, people have to... Listen to it once or twice to get, you know. Yeah, I'm getting it in there. It may not be in order, but this is just the, the, the way that I came up with the notes. In 2007, when they're playing Lollapalooza, the, they're playing Daughter, and they went into another Brick in the Wall tag, and um, they were webcasting it on AOL, I believe. It's AOL or Yahoo. Oh, that part I should have written down. Damn it. Back in the day, it was but, one or the um, other. He said... Uh, yeah, said uh, George Bush, leave this world alone. George Bush, leave this world alone. And uh-huh. they cut that part out of the webcast because it was on a, a bit of a delay. Well, yeah. Understandably, they got pissed. <laughs> oh, how cool they knew then. Such, such young and innocent <laughs> people we all are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it was 2007, so he already was a fuck up. So <laughs> it's not like this was pre 9 11, where it's kind of <laughs> like, oh, this is not going to be too bad. You know, we're not going to start a an endless war that's going to go on for decades that both fathers and sons are going to go fight in. Right. Oh, way to bring it down, Brandon. <laughs> is there uh, is there some other stuff that you that you want to say about this song that I, I don't want to? You know, I know it's my show or whatever, but I don't want to you know, take all your time or whatever to just blab on about my shit. Well, I think we 
like when we were talking before you actually started um, technically recording for the podcast, and that's about the the word violence, violin oh, yeah. versus violence, which I think is, you know, I've watched his performance a number of times, and he does say both of them interchangeably, I think, which is kind of interesting. Violence, I could understand. I, th- I think that um, it could also be a sort of a spectrum disorder sort of thing, too, where it's sort of, you know, you can't read well, and then, oh, mm-hmm. but you can play the violin perfectly fine, and so, you know, you're real good at it, but you just, what's wrong? You can't read? Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and I think, I think too, when um, in the first, in one of the early, early performances of it, there's a... Uh, a bootleg that came out from them playing uh, New Year's Eve in uh, 92, uh, where they play it for one of the first times where they still called it brother. Uh, he does say violins, not violence. You can definitely hear that. But I right. think, too, that it, it might be like one of those things where you hear a word, somebody says it, and it depends on what you think is what you hear. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, is he saying this or saying this? Well, when I think he's saying this, I can hear him say it. But when I think he's saying this, I hear him say this. Yeah. There's a word for that, right? Damn, I should have looked that up. I think there is. Well, and there's a phenomenon, too, of, like, you know, seeing faces and things mm-hmm. that aren't really faces or you know, just because you're used to, your brain is used to making things into faces. So you see a big artist drawing of a pile of fruit and it looks like a face all of a sudden. Yeah, you see two people face to face looking at each other and you're like well i don't see a vase there or a glass what is it supposed to be <laughs> i see i see a, just a rumple old woman i don't see an old I, I don't see a young lady with a uh scarf or whatever around her neck it's real puffy like an old woman behind the counter in a small town oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's later. That's in a couple weeks. (laughs) And I do want to say to anyone who hasn't listened to Dead Moon, like that song by them is really great. So if you like It's Okay by Pearl Jam, they, you know, obviously Eddie Vedder has a very nice voice and they do it in a very clean way as opposed to Dead Moon, the way that they do it. But um, it's a great song to listen to it all the way through. You see why it just fits so well at the end of Daughter. So... Hmm. Yeah, I think that's all I got. Well, we want to talk about how shitty cis, uh, cis white dudes are again? or <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we could. It seems like an odd flex for a Pearl Jam podcast, being that <laughs> I think cis white dudes. So Yeah, that's. it, it seems that that's the majority of, of, of the guests I have, just because, uh, you know, that's you know, who are, are going to speak up and say, oh yeah, people have to know my opinions about things. It's like, oh, we know that's all we get. Right. And, 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 you know, I'm trying to get out there and just like, okay, I know there's tons of women out there and you can go ahead and I, I want to listen to what you have to say. And there's, and there is a Pearl Jam podcast called uh, the porch podcast that's hosted by two women and it's, it, you know, it, and they're both kind of uh, new fans, too. They're in their late 20s or so. And so they've come to the band, you know, later as pretty much most of the catalog has been out. And so they've gone back and been like, oh, wow, this is real good stuff. Mm-hmm. And talking about their kind of experiences as new-ish 
sort of fans and you know mm. they've gone to concerts and seen them live and everything like that and it's in and of course it's kind of like okay yeah you know women talk to each other differently than men do and if you're a guy you might not be used to that so you're kind of like uh kind of boring or when when are they gonna they're not really staying on topic or they're not talking about this or whatever but i mean podcasts never stay on topic no it's part of it right (laughs) yeah i mean you're there for the witty banter as much as you are for the actual topic of the podcast aren't you yeah and and (laughs) it's you know you gotta I, in in the past in the past year or so, I've been like, okay, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, just white dudes, straight white dudes talking to each other. Uh, let me get rid of this one and listen to some people of color. Let me get rid of this one. Listen to some LGBTQ people. You know, just you gotta you need a variety of points of view. I, I think, uh, you know, so that you can be a whole person because other people's points of view are valid and they help to remind you that, oh yeah, this is a society and there's a whole bunch of different people in it, and these people have just as much to say as you think you have as much to say, and nothing bad's gonna happen when you put all that stuff in your head too. Well, is it's kind of like the theory that some people had over the, you know, the new Star Wars movies that so many of them have women or people of color as the main characters. And it's like, guys, they they literally have a Wookiee as one of the main characters. <laughs> and you're upset that it's going to be someone who's African-American yeah. in a title role. That's amazing. <laughs> there's a There's a gay robot. He's not out, but we all know... He's clearly and, <laughs> like just saying he's a member of the family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he'll he's everybody has their own time for when they are like, okay, this is I'm I'm ready to be honest with myself and with other people too. And it's kind of like, okay, you gotta give people their let people uh come out in their own time and everything. <laughs> C3PO just isn't at that spot yet, but that's okay. Still give them your support and your love. It is, like, baffling. Like, are people just, like, thinking, like, well, clearly, clearly Chewbacca is essentially a straight white man. I mean, I guess <laughs> found that out for the Christmas special. Like, it's a family. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, otherwise, come on. <laughs> Have you seen the Star Wars Christmas special, by the way? Uh, I haven't, but I do know that, um, crap, what's her name? Golden Girls the mod uh um b arthur b arthur is in it yes she is it's it's real weird it's highly worth watching i think it's available on youtube oh oh yeah it's all over the place on youtube (laughs) i haven't i haven't uh i haven't brought myself to to go that deep (laughs) into star wars yet yeah it's (laughs) it's it's a deep dive shall we say yeah i'm not i'm not one of those people who kind of are into watching bad things on purpose because there's, because there's so much, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't watched the wire yet. Am I going to say, am I going to go? It's like, you know, I want to watch the Star Wars Christmas special. The wire can wait. Right. (laughs) Right. Like I haven't finished like watching all the criterion collection movies. Like why would I go back to watch Star Wars? (laughs) Yeah. I understand. (laughs) Yeah. When, um, Another callback going back a little bit. Depends on how I edit this. Maybe it'll all be flowing together and stuff. 
depending on how much work I want to do. Ooh, work I want to do. But um, yeah, I think like people will talk about, you know, comedy or art and stuff like that. And sort of like conservative comedian is sort of an oxymoron or, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the liberals have all the good art because they are willing to explore different points of view and to let everybody sort of have a voice. And whereas if you're like, no, things have to stay the same. And I want to be the one calling all the shots as a, you know, straight white dude, not really going to have much change or experimentation or sort of exploration. I think too, and this goes, I guess, you know, back to even the song daughter is that so much art, and music is born of having feelings and mm-hmm. having empathy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really hard to argue that some people who have extreme right wing views have a lot of empathy for others. So it's kind of hard to be an artist and have empathy and put your soul, you know, on paper or in music or whatever it is and be right wing or racist. Like, how do, you, how do you do that, you know? Yeah, if if you're not willing to listen to other people or... or wait, no, no, not that. If you're... um Feel feelings, you know? If you, yeah. If you're willing to look at your own feelings, you're probably more likely to be able to look at others, too. Yeah, and you see that other people have feelings as well. And they might even be a little bit the same as yours. And you might... And then it would be hard to argue, like, you know what? Kids should be in concentration camps here in America right now. Yeah. <laughs> to do when you're, like, <laughs> you know, when you're having empathy. Yeah. So there's there's a complete difference when I throw a ton of money at a uh, college or something to get them into it, um, breaking the rules, whereas if somebody wants to have their kid not grow up fearing violence and, and being able to actually eat every day, you know, doing whatever you can to try to get them to a place where they're able to do that. No, those are two separately, completely different things. Cause one's a white person doing it. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel, I feel better. I feel better calling, calling those people out. <laughs> How about you? Oh yeah, Absolutely. Ah, nothing. Ah, great, great thing on a on a Sunday morning, right? That's it's refreshing. It's like that, you know, meme of uh, Rogan like splashing himself with water with the scenery in the background. Feels refreshing. <laughs> Is there uh, anything you want to get out there pe- to have people uh, check out or anything? Uh, not really at the moment. I'm not really in a current band or anything like that. Um, I will say I have a friend's band who I think everyone should check out. That's Megan Jean and the Clay Family Band. They're wonderful. They mostly tour around the South, but, you know, they're on um, Spotify and just about any other streaming service that plays music. So check them out. All right. I'll put a, I'll put a link up with this so people can check it out. Yeah. You don't have to just talk about your own stuff. If you got something out there that you really like and you think that people should uh, take a look at, go ahead and shout it out. Shout it from the rooftops. They, they definitely deserve a shout out. Yeah. Thanks for coming on again, Emily. Uh, I'll I'll have you back to talk about some weird stuff or some uh, other stuff. It's not like I have this planned out ahead of time and know what you're going to talk about next. No, I fly by the seat of my pants. I'm not recording this months ahead of time. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming back, Emily. Good, always good talking with you. 
It's good talking to you too. The Better Band Podcast is produced by Lucinaprino.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from shoutengine.com slash thebetterbandpodcast using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at listenupreno. I am on Twitter at brandenp. like to be a guest on a future episode send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and i'll read them on the season finale episode again i'd like to thank my guest emily and as always this is brandon saying seltzer is for drinking not spring pie is for noshing not throwing <laughs>